Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Got your Bibles tonight. I want you to take your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter number two. There was a handout that was given to you. If I would have given them the answers to it, they could have probably been up on the screen, but I didn't think that far ahead. So I just make up the answers as we go along tonight. We're going to be in Philippians chapter number two and John chapter number 13. So if you find both of those, the faster you find those, the faster the message will go tonight. So if it takes you a long time to find those places, it's going to be your fault if we're here a long time. So um, as we get to the scripture tonight, I just want to try and be a blessing and a help tonight and give you some things to think on from the scripture and try and be a help. How many of you in the room tonight would say, and this isn't a bragging statement or anything like that, but you would say, I kind of know pretty well a guy in the Bible by the name of Epaphroditus. Anybody say, I know Epaphroditus. Raise it up high so I can see. There's some hands. Good, good. I would ask you who it is, but I'm not going to put anybody on the spot tonight. We're going to look at this man for just a minute and see a few scriptures that Paul penned these words about this man. And then we'll be in John chapter number 13 tonight, and that's where the me of the message will come from. Look at Philippians chapter number 2 with me, and look down at verse number 25. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him And not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation. Now we're going to see why was Epaphroditus sick? Why was he nigh to death in this sickness? Look at verse number 30. It says, because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service towards me. You look at that phrase right there where it says, not regarding his life. That's an interesting phrase in the Bible. And that phrase there, it's a gambling term. It means to recklessly expose one's life to danger. In gambling, it'd be like to risk everything on the roll of the dice. He was willing to risk his life to serve Paul. You talk about a servant, Epaphroditus was quite a servant. In fact, we could look back on history, and around the year 250 AD, there was a group of early Christians that were were around ancient Carthage, And they called themselves the Gamblers. That's quite a name for a Christian group, right? They named themselves the Gamblers after Epaphroditus. And what they did was in the height of a plague during that time, 
the city of Carthage had been, this plague had just eaten through the city and bodies were stacked up the street that people that had died. And these Christians were willing to risk their lives to take these bodies that were piling up in the streets and they would take them outside the city and bury them and give them a proper burial. And a lot of these people that they served had no, they had no want for Christianity. They wanted nothing to do with Christ. They probably made fun of these guys for the stuff that they did, yet they were willing to risk their lives to serve their city. Where would a guy like Epaphroditus, where would he get this idea of serving and serve so much that he was willing to risk his own life to be a servant? Where would you get from uh, those gamblers in the city of Carthage? Why would they be willing to risk their lives to serve? I think the answer goes back to John chapter number 13. Why, if you look at the apostles and you look at the, God, at the, the New Testament, the epistles that are written, Paul, what's one of the first things he always says? Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. James, a servant of Jesus Christ. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ. Could have called themselves apostles, could have called themselves lots of other names. They started with servant. Why servant? Let's go to John chapter number 13. We'll read a couple of verses. We'll have a word of prayer, and we'll dive right into the message tonight. We look at chapter 13 of John, and before we get there, let me give you a little background on this passage. Jesus is about to die on the cross. This is the final 24 hours before he's going to go and be betrayed. He knows his time is short. He could have gone and gotten away by himself and tried to prepare himself for this moment. But he had these disciples. He had these guys that he knew in a very short amount of time. He wasn't going to be around anymore. He took that last 24 hours and taught them some very valuable lessons to help them and to help all Christians going forward. We look at chapter 13, look at verse number 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father hath given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a the towel wherewith he was girded. Skip down with me to verse number 12. So after he washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, ye ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Jesus, after supper, took a towel and showed the ultimate. He sacrificed and he became a servant for his very disciples at that moment. Title my message is Becoming a People of the Towel, if you want it even simpler, Becoming a Servant. All of us are called to do it. And I want to take this passage of Scripture over the next few minutes and break it down and let you learn, and let's learn some lessons tonight on what Jesus did to show us how we can serve those around us. And then when we're done with that, we'll be done tonight. Father, we thank you for the time that we have in your word. I thank you for this church. Thank you for a wonderful pastor here and his family and for their staff and just for this wonderful church. Pray that you continue to bless them and continue to use them in this area. I pray that tonight that you would just bless the message. I pray that it would be a help to the ministry here. Maybe just one thought of it. I don't know what the case may be, but I pray that you'd meet with us tonight. And I pray that you'd help us in the next few minutes tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus knew his time was short. What would he teach his disciples? There are several things as we look at this tonight, and we'll dive right in. Number one, and if you're taking notes, you can just write these in as we go through. Number one, we must learn from his labor. We must learn from his labor. If you look with me, look back at verse number four and verse number five of our text here. And we see it says, He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Something that's very interesting to me, in those days you think about today, we have shoes, and thank God for that, right? They didn't quite have the shoes we have today. And Brother Jay's always got a fancy pair of kicks on, different things than that. But when you look back in those days, they didn't have the streets we do. So they were, it was dirt everywhere. Feet were dirty. But what would happen is that you would wash your feet before you sat down to eat dinner. It's not like us sitting at a dinner table today. Our chairs are high enough. Your feet are far enough away. It's not as big of a deal. In those days, that's not how it was. So it was a normal custom that you would wash your feet before you ate dinner. If you notice something here, dinner's over already. That's interesting to me. This should have been done before this time. Whosever house this is, whatever the case may be, but what we see here, what Jesus did it, and the labor that he does, it teaches us a lot about how to be a servant, how to become a person of the towel. And when we think about it, washing someone's feet, it was slave work. And in Bible days, even the lowest Jewish slave, they didn't make them wash people's feet. The lowest of the lowest slaves, the Gentile slaves, were the ones who would do that labor. This was not just something anybody would do. And so when we look at this here, we see letter A, that Jesus was performing an act of selfless service for his men. He was doing it, he was being selfless. 
of all the people, he humbled himself to meet the needs of his disciples at this time. And so as we learn from his labor, and as we talk about this for a few minutes, there are several things that I think about. The first thing is that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, letter A, or number one underneath that, without being asked to do so. Did someone say, hey, Jesus, could you wash my feet? No, he saw a need, and he did it. There are many people that would say, well, all you got to do, just ask me and I'll do it. We see from Jesus, and as we learn from his labor, we see the fact that's not how it's supposed to be. Jesus saw something that needed to be done. No one had to ask him to do it. You know, we can all do those sorts of things. You know, we walk around church and there's trash outside. No one should have to ask you to pick up the trash. You see it? You pick it up. There's no paper towels in the bathroom. You find so you get you figure out how to get it done. A lot of times in churches and as Christians, we're just weighing what tell me what you want me to do. And Jesus saw a need and he fulfilled that need. So as we try to become people of the town and be the servants that the Lord would have us, and as we learn from him tonight, one of the first things we see is that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples without being asked to do so. The second thing is this, that Jesus served with no expectation of reward. Do you see in the script, maybe it's in the Greek hidden, we don't see it there, but maybe it says, uh, and Jesus is like, guys, I just washed your feet. A thank you? You got a thank you for me? A servant serves not for a thank you. Jesus did not serve them expecting a reward. They're going to treat me real good if I serve them. See, that's not how a servant acts. No one ever said thank you. He did what he did because he wanted to. The next thing that we see, number three, is we see that Jesus served the others with a willing heart. You didn't see here in this, ah, he gets up from... You know what? No one washed my feet, so I'm going to wash your feet since no one washed mine. You don't hear Jesus say that, do you? He gets up, he grabs a towel, and he serves. He willingly serves. What a lesson that is for us. Do you have a willing heart to serve? How's your heart tonight? No one twisted his arm. He volunteered for a job and served his men. Think about this one. Number four, Jesus served those who didn't deserve to be served. Sometimes we're like, well, I'll I'll be nice to them if they're nice to me. Or I'll, I'll serve them if they'll... No, do you know whose feet Jesus washed? He washed the feet of Peter. The one who in 24 hours would deny him three times. Get this. He washed Judas's feet. The devil was already in him. What a lesson we can learn from the Savior here. What we can learn from his labor. And as we look at this here, he washed their feet and he did it with no expectation or reward. He had a willing heart and he served those who did not deserve to be served. That's how a servant serves. 
we continue on here, we see letter B, that Jesus did what he did for a specific purpose. In that room that night, he and his men were celebrating the Passover, but the disciples were occupied with other things at that time. In fact, one of the parallel passages in Luke chapter 22, it tells us what was going on in the heart of the disciples. Luke 22, verse 24, and there was a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? This is literally going on at this time. Literally, the disciples themselves are fighting about who's going to be the greatest. And we see the greatest one of all getting down and washing the feet of his disciples. He had a purpose, and he was trying to teach them a lesson that the greatest is not the one who's master. Grace is the one who serves. The servant. And before you're too hard on the disciples, don't think that you and I would do any better than the disciples would, which is letter C. There are very few who truly have a servant's heart or possess a servant's heart. Most of us tonight are willing to be served but not too many are willing to serve others. And like Jesus, we should be willing to serve those around us. That's what Jesus did, the ultimate example for us. His last 24 hours before his death, the disciples are arguing about who's going to be the greatest, and he gets down without being asked, without no expectation of reward, with a willing heart, to those who did not deserve it, he served them. There's a lot that we can learn tonight from his labor. Number two, there's a lot that we can learn from his lordship. There's a lot that we can learn from his lordship. We look down at verse number 12, and the passage tells us here, So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said to them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say well, for so I am. I am your Master. I am your Lord. Think with me tonight. Everything that Jesus did, letter A, as we look at this about his lordship, everything Jesus did that night reminds us of who he is and why he, what he came into this world to do. Think with me for a minute. The one that is down before his disciples, washing their feet, being the ultimate servant, he's the one who spoke the world into existence. He's the one, as the Bible says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about Jesus Christ. The one who's going to come again someday on his white horse, and he's going to have that name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He was serving like a slave of none other, washing the feet of his disciples. This is the King of Kings. He speaks the world into existence. If anyone had a right not to wash someone's feet, it was Jesus. But why did he come? 
The book of Philippians tells us, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And the Bible says, and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You think about that. If Jesus could serve What's wrong with us? I'm not the king of kings. I couldn't even say lights turn out, and they turn out right now. And he said, let there be light, and the light in the whole world came on. He spoke the world into existence. And he humbled himself. If I, your Lord and Master, can do this, so can you. What a lesson that is for us in this passage. We see that Jesus continues here, and as he talks, and as we look at this, we see the fact is that serving others, it's not an option, let her be there. It's a command. Verse 14 tells us, Jesus said, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. That word ought there is in a tense that suggests we should always be washing feet always serving. The word has the idea of the good will do to, our, to another. Remember a couple years ago, I went to visit a lady that came to our church for the first time. She's in her 70s, and I went to visit her at her house. And um, she came, and I, I'd make visits when people visit the church or different things. So I go, and we're sitting there, we're chatting, and she's like, Pastor, I'm ready. What are you ready for? The pastor of my last church washed my feet. I said, okay. Well, you're supposed to wash my feet, the Bible says. Like, did you take a bath today? Did you take a shower? And I explained to her that this isn't literally speaking about washing one another's feet. It's the idea of service for one another. And I did have to wash her feet, so that worked out good. And uh, that, was, that was an interesting visit. You know, I'm ready. What are you ready for? You never know. You never know what someone's going to say. But the fact is that we, the Lord wants us to serve. And you know, we think about spiritual gifts. Some people are gifted in the area of service. And that's their gift that God gives them but you got to understand something. Being a servant of the Lord is not just for those who are gifted in the area. It's for all of God's children. If your Lord and Master was willing to serve, then we should be able to serve as well. We see that service is not, as we look at this passage here, is not just a, is this not an option? It's a command. And you got to understand this, let us see, we are never more like Jesus than when we are serving other people. You are never more like him Think about his ministry. On Sunday mornings at our church, we're going through the book of Mark. And I get tired going through the book of Mark. 
Because Jesus is constantly just ministering and ministering and ministering and, he, and all day long. And even after he's in the synagogue and heals people and do all these things, people are lined up at Simon's house and he's still helping people. He served others his ministry. And he gave us a lesson. And we think about what the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 6, verse number 40. The disciples not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. When we humble ourselves and assume the position of a slave before others, we demonstrate Christ's likeness. And that's something that the Lord has for us. And when we think about that, that leads to letter D here. Serving others is a recipe for happiness. Do you know why a lot of Christians are not happy in the Christian life? Let's look back at verse, look back at verse number 17 right here. If ye know these things, it doesn't say happy are ye because you know these things. Happy are ye if ye do them. If you do them. Why are a lot of Christians not happy? Why are a lot of Christians miserable today? Because we focus on self. Man, if anybody could have focused on self at this time, it would have been Jesus. He's getting ready to put the sins of the entire world on himself. That's where he's at. The weight of all the sin on him, all that's going to take place, the betrayal, all these things, they're coming. He knew his hour was come. And yet, his entire ministry, he served others. Let me help you tonight. If you're struggling to find happiness in the Christian life, find someone you can help. Find someone in your church that could use some help. I guarantee you in a church this size, there are people that need help. Because you see, this is what happens when you can take your eyes off of yourself and what's going on in your life, you'll see, oh, other people have hard times too. And not only do other people have a hard time, and you could be going through a tough time yourself, but it gets the focus off of you, and there's joy that comes in serving others. I remember as a, as a young person, my mom, um, a terrible, terrible arthritis, Rheumatoid arthritis and zoriatic arthritis. Her fingers are bent every which way. She can barely walk anymore. She's 76 now. Her health, when I was six or seven years old, when it really took a turn, she got diabetes then. It seemed like everything was falling apart. At our house, we had a, she had a rose garden, 100 rose bushes in her yard. I mean, you talk about torture, having to clean those things and clean the weeds out and do all those things. Oh, that was, that was torture as a kid. But anyways, my mom, suffering the way that she was, I remember she barely could get out of bed. And she learned that one of her good friends at church had cancer. She got out of bed that day, went out to her rose garden and picked like two dozen roses, drove them to that lady's house, put a smile on that lady's face, and my mom, I never heard her complain. That's what a servant does. If 
You're like, I, I'm just not happy right now in the Christian life. Could it be you're not happy because you're not doing what you know you're supposed to do? I would suggest we get our eyes off of ourselves and get our attention on others like our Savior did. There's a lot we can learn from his labor. There's a lot we can learn from his lordship. And number three, and lastly tonight, there's a lot that we can learn from his love. There's a lot that we can learn from his love. Look back at verse number one, the very first verse of chapter 13 here. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, they should depart out of this world unto the Father. Look what it says here. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Why did Jesus do what he did? Why did he wash his disciples' feet? Why did he take these men and train them over these years? He did it because he loved them. As we think about this, we think about letter A here, that his love for us explains everything he does for us. Think about that tonight. Love is an action word, am I correct? Say, how do, how do I know that God loves me? You know that God loves you because he sent his son to die on the cross for you. How do you know tonight that Christ loved you? Because he willingly laid down his life and shed his blood so that you could have a home in heaven, so that your sins could be washed away. God died for you and displayed his love on a cross. So all that he did for us shows his love. And what love God has shown to us. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. His love explains why he came to a world that didn't want him to come. His love explains why he did all that he did and all the religious people hated everything that he did, yet he still did it. He said, Father, forgive them, the ones who are crying out, hey, crucify him, crucify him. His love was on full display for us, which leads to the final point. And just as love compelled the Savior to serve, our love for him should compel us to serve others for his glory. What did Paul say? The love of Christ, it constrains me. Say, why do you do what you do? I hope you got a reason. Hey, why are you at church on a Tuesday night? There was free food and tacos. Okay, that could be your reason tonight. Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you serve in a class? Why do you help set things up? I hope you say, because of all that the Lord's done for me, I love him. And I'm going to serve because of all that he's done. You see, our world and Christianity has it so backwards today. Over the past year, year and a half, I've heard a lot of Christians say, we need to love our neighbor, love our neighbor, love our neighbor, love our neighbor. And that's Bible. We need to love our neighbor. But you will never love your neighbor till you learn to love God. 
The first commandment is to love God with everything that you have. Then the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. You see, you want to be a servant? You better fall in love with God. Because there are a lot of people that are not, that you're going to look at and say, they don't deserve to be served. But I didn't deserve his love. If he was willing to give me his love, then I can serve anybody. You see, as Christians tonight, God's called us to be people of the towel. He's called us to be servants. Are you willing to humble yourself and do whatever is necessary to serve? Are you willing to learn to serve without having to be asked to do it? Are you willing to serve others willingly with no thought or reward? Because if you want your reward here, you can have it. The Bible talks about that, right? But God will reward you too. If you want your reward for men, you can have that. But why do you do what you do? Why? Think about that. That's a great question for you to answer to yourself tonight as we close. Why do you do what you do? Those of you that sing, why do you sing? Hopefully it's not because you have a good voice, but you all do have good voices. There's no doubt about that. Why do you play a piano? Because I can play. What's the motive behind what you do? The motive should be because of how Christ loves me. I can't contain it in myself. And I, that love that he has for me, I love him. And that love's on display for those around me. You want to find happiness in the Christian life? Find someone to help. Find someone to encourage. That's what a servant does. So Jesus, his last 24 hours, before he dies on the cross, he could have taught the disciples a lot of different things. And while they're arguing about who the greatest is going to be, Jesus just grabs a towel and gets down and washes the disciples' feet. And he tells them, if I, your Lord and Master, have done this, that's what you're supposed to do. That's why the apostles and the disciples went out and took the gospel around the world because the example they had in their Savior. We're Christians, right? Are, we're, are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, you want to raise your hand? Yeah? Okay, good. I'm glad, I'm glad in a church people raise their hand and say they're Christian. That's good. But do our actions reflect that of Christ? You notice the first Christians never claimed to be Christians. The world saw them and like, wow, they're acting like that guy from Nazareth. And if you want to be like Jesus, we got to learn to serve. And parents, let me encourage you, one of the best things my parents did for me was they took me with them as they served and taught me to serve. we got to teach our young people the importance of service for the Lord and serve as a family. Serve together. Let them see that serving the Lord is fun. How's your attitude when you're coming to a church work day? Oh, 
Oh, pastor needs help again. What's he going to ask for this time? That's not a great attitude to have. And I don't think Jesus would have that attitude. But why do you serve? You should serve for the Lord because of his love and because you love him. Let's pass that on to our children. Let's let them learn that. And let's all become people of the towel. There's a lot we can learn in this passage about his labor, his lordship, and love. And I hope that you take something from tonight, apply it to your life, and maybe it could just help you in your ministry for the Lord and your service for the Lord as you go forward. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.